Section 31 of the Watergate Report, Volume 3. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Final Report of the Senate Select Committee on Presidential Campaign Activities, Volume 3, Section 31. Chapter 11 Individual Views of the Senators of the Select Committee, Part 4 mr lowell p weicker jr u s senator from the state of connecticut a stillness in the early nineteen seventies several independent events took place in the united states of america on the surface they appeared to lack a common bond in june of nineteen sixty nine a lewis harris poll found that twenty five per cent of all americans felt they had a moral right to disregard a victim's cry for help over the next several years this mood took the form of countless incidents of looking the other way when men and women were assaulted and murdered in full view of entire neighborhoods on may fourth nineteen seventy at kent state university in ohio a group of students who refused an order to disperse were fired upon by the national guard killing william schroeder sandy scheuer jeffrey miller and allison kraus and wounding nine others Ten days later, at Jackson State University in Mississippi, police who had been called in to protect firemen from violence opened a 28-second fusillade into and around a dormitory, killing Philip Gibbs and James Earl Green and wounding 12 others. During 1971, a decision was reached by the administration to conduct the president's re-election campaign with a special committee totally separate and insulated from the political party which would re-nominate that president in early nineteen seventy two a young radio reporter in miami stood outside a supermarket trying to get people to sign a copy of the bill of rights seventy-five per cent refused many saying it was communist propaganda in february of nineteen seventy two it was revealed that International Telephone and Telegraph had allegedly offered a campaign contribution of $400,000 in return for the Justice Department dropping an antitrust suit against ITT. The suit was dropped on presidential order, but when the Attorney General was questioned about the President's role by a Senate committee in March, he lied. On June 17, 1972, burglars employed by the Committee to Re-elect the President were arrested inside the headquarters of the democratic national committee with bugging equipment and large sums of cash in december of nineteen seventy two having failed to obtain congressional approval for a reorganization of the cabinet the administration moved autonomously to establish three or four super secretaries and to place various executive office employees in key sub-cabinet posts the obvious goal was to create a White House-directed network of decision-making and reporting quite apart from the formal cabinet structure which remains subject to congressional scrutiny. In February of 1973, the White House held a Peace with Honor reception to celebrate the end of the Vietnam War. Only those congressmen who had supported the President's Vietnam policies were invited, implying that those who had questioned our involvement in Vietnam were either against peace or were dishonorable some of these incidents were matters of life and death and were well publicized others were matters of principle and were little noticed at the time 
in each instance a significant outrage had taken place what was common to all in each instance no one complained a constitutional stillness was over the land the uproar american decency idealism honesty and reverence for the constitution that some had thought bought off has been stirring and reasserting itself for many months now yes a few still cry treason when questions are asked a few still espouse the end as justifying the means a few still goggle at an american title rather than the title of american but it was only yesterday june seventeenth nineteen seventy two to be specific that today's few were a part of a large american majority why the turnaround the truth because frank wills discovered taped doors at the watergate america's doors didn't close in all our faces constitutional democracy in the era of watergate for this senator watergate is not a whodunit it is a documented proven attack on laws institutions and principles the response to that attack was and is a nation of laws at work determining whether men shall prevail over the principles of a constitutional democracy it has been and will be the testing of a great experiment in government begun some two hundred years ago laws institutions and principles were squarely before this committee to be debated probed and documented in order to assert remedies and to reassert time-honored concepts guilt or innocence was not an issue this was a fact-finding body it was a legislative body and those duties go to the heart of what watergate was all about in keeping with the committee's duties this is a report of facts and evidence leading to legislative recommendations to document the abuse of laws institutions and principles the facts and evidence are presented first as they bear on the basis of our laws the constitution second as they relate to the institutions of our government and third as they affect the principles of our political system one the constitution one of the most disturbing facts about the testimony presented to this committee is that so much of it went relentlessly to the heart of our constitution to appreciate what happened to the constitution it is useful to divide the seven articles and twenty-six amendments into substantive versus procedural provisions the substantive sections lay out rights powers and duties the procedural areas address somewhat more technical and administrative matters the important point is that the essence and strength of the constitution springs from its substantive areas primarily the first three articles the first ten amendments and the fourteenth amendment evidence presented to this committee can and will demonstrate that every major substantive part of the constitution was violated abused and undermined during the watergate period it is a record built entirely on the words of the participants themselves tragically it focuses on the most prodigious article of the constitution article two which sets out the powers and duties of the executive it includes the most significant individual rights guaranteed by the first ten amendments our bill of rights and it encompasses the fifth and fourteenth amendments guarantees of due process of law the foundation of our system of justice a the executive 
of all the issues confronting the constitutional convention at philadelphia the nature of the presidency ranked as one of the most important indeed the resolution of that issue is often cited as one of the most significant actions taken most state constitutions prior to that time had weak executives and strong legislatures the decision to create a president as opposed to plural administrators was a reluctant recognition of the advantages of a strong executive nevertheless the convention took steps to contain presidential power only after deciding the method of selecting a president his term mode of removal and powers of duties did the convention agree to the concept of a strong president this bit of history indicating that the delineation of the president's office and powers preceded the creation of his position in the constitutional scheme is quite important it demonstrates that executive power is to be exercised within the framework of the constitution and particularly within the guidelines of article two which lays out the powers and duties of that office this is much of what watergate is all about and it bears a close look at article two the issue at stake is the exercise of potentially awesome presidential power as to that issue article two contains two points of significance first its opening words state the executive power shall be vested in a president of the united states of america this grant of executive authority with no words of limitation has from the time of jefferson been the basis for expanding the presidential office and activities however the initial broad authority is offset by a second significant factor the enumeration of executive powers later in article two these declare in part that the president is to be commander-in-chief make treaties appoint ambassadors and other officers grant pardons and take care that the laws are faithfully executed it is worth noting that experience has eventually placed limits on the general powers the president has been allowed as a practical matter to exercise those additional powers that fall naturally within his range of activities the important point however is that no president has been or can be allowed to conduct the executive branch in conflict with the constitution taken as a whole and certainly not in conflict with express sections of the constitution such as the bill of rights or article one the legislature or article three the judiciary this then is the proper context for examining facts article two of the constitution by which the presidency was created was violated from beginning to end by watergate there is massive evidence of misuse of the awesome general powers that reside in the executive department there is equal evidence documenting abuses of the enumerated duties one general powers and duties the facts show an executive office that approved a master intelligence plan containing proposals that were specifically identified as illegal that proposed setting up a private intelligence firm with a black bag or breaking and entering capability as secret investigative support for the white house that set up its own secret police that used its clandestine police force to violate the rights of american citizens that hired a private eye to spy on its enemies including their personal lives domestic problems drinking habits social activities and sexual habits that circulated an enemies list 
that developed plans to use the available federal machinery to screw our political enemies that knew of an illegal break-in connected with the ellsberg case and concealed that fact rather than report it to appropriate authorities that used a presidential increase in milk support prices to get five thousand dollars from the milk producers to pay for the ellsberg break-in that recruited persons for that break-in on the false pretense of national security that offered the presiding judge in the ellsberg trial the fbi directorship at a clandestine meeting in the midst of the trial that ordered a warrantless wiretap on a news columnist's telephone that wiretapped seventeen newsmen and government officials in an operation that was outside proper investigative channels that suggested firebombing the brookings institute that set up an intelligence evaluation committee outside the legitimate intelligence community to disseminate information that should have been restricted to individual agencies that used the secret service to wiretap the president's brother that kept three hundred and fifty thousand dollars in leftover nineteen sixty eight campaign funds in a safe in the chief of staff's office that used most of those funds as hush money for the watergate burglars that approved a large contribution from the milk producers association after being told it was meant to gain access to and favors from the white house that received and passed on information about an irs audit of one of the president's friends that arranged for a tax attorney for that friend that contacted the irs as well as the justice department in a number of other tax cases involving friends of the president that planned and possibly carried out a break-in at the office of a las vegas publisher that suggested a break-in at the apartment of the man who attempted to assassinate governor wallace that contemplated a break-in at the potomac associates offices that tried to rewrite history by making up bogus state department cables to falsely connect the kennedy administration with the assassination of president diem that attempted to get reporter william lambert to use the phony cables in a story that tried to plant false stories connecting the president's opponent with communist money and the crimes alleged in the ellsberg case that installed an elaborate system of taping conversations between the president and his staff or visitors that told federal investigators to stay out of the ellsberg matter that undertook a clandestine operation to hide a key witness in the itt case in a denver hospital where she was interrogated by howard hunt in disguise that authorized and funded from within the white house a dirty tricks operation including scurrilous literature late-night telephone campaigns and advertising designed to offend local interests seemingly sponsored by democratic candidates and physical disruptions directed against presidential opponents that planted spies hecklers and pickets in the muskie and humphrey campaigns that participated in discussions of a campaign against democrats to include prostitutes mugging kidnapping bugging and burglary that pressed for adoption of liddy's watergate plan that was told of the authorization and budget for liddy's plan that believed it had received transcripts of illegal wiretaps and never reported that crime that was warned of the planned break-in at the watergate and did nothing to stop it that knew the full scope of liddy's activities shortly after the watergate arrests and kept those facts from proper authorities that shredded watergate evidence in the chief of staff's files 
that tried to use one of its executive branch agencies as a cover for the Watergate operation, that was the scene of meetings at which high officials plotted to use the power and influence of the presidency to cover up crimes and obstruct justice, that saw advisors invoke the power of the presidency to use an FBI director in ways that would eventually cause him to resign, that used the president's fundraising powers to collect illegal corporate contributions, to raise funds to finance a crime, and to collect bribes for a criminal case, that discussed using the president's clemency prerogatives as early as June 1972 to keep the lid on Watergate and other crimes while misleading the American people by calling Watergate a third-rate burglary, that made offers of clemency for improper purposes, that announced in a presidential statement a Dean investigation clearing the White House when there had in fact been a cover-up, not an investigation, and the President had never, ever talked to Dean about Watergate, that discussed in the Oval Office unethical out-of-court contacts with the presiding judge in one of the Watergate civil suits, that purposely lied to the FBI and a federal grand jury, that encouraged campaign officials to commit perjury and plead the Fifth Amendment to obstruct justice, that used the President's personal attorney and White House staff to pay criminal hush money and to pay for a private eye operating out of the White House, that used its influence to get raw FBI files for improper purposes, that prevailed upon the FBI not to interview certain witnesses, that used patriotic concern for the presidency to pressure defendants to plead guilty in a criminal case, that used its influence to get special treatment for high officials before a federal grand jury, that plotted to cover up the Segretti story and denounced in the harshest terms those who uncovered the story, that noted it would assuredly be psychologically satisfying to cut the innards from Ellsberg and his clique, that obstructed congressional investigations of Watergate and related matters, that filed Watergate countersuits for the distorted purpose of using subpoena powers to delve into the financial and sexual activities of political opponents, that made numerous misleading or false statements about Watergate to the American people, that failed to promptly inform proper authorities about knowledge of crimes involving White House officials, that forced the resignation of a special prosecutor, attorney general, and deputy attorney general when their Watergate prosecution took an independent position, that suggested using the attorney general's powers to keep a Republican opponent off the primary ballot in florida that used the executive's authority over the media's regulatory agencies to intimidate the media that ordered a personal tax audit surveillance by an fbi agent and secret service agents and an antitrust action all in response to a newspaper article about one of the president's friends that tried to punish foundations with views different than White House policy by pressuring the IRS to review their tax-exempt status, that set up a program to ensure that government contracts, grants, and loans would, as a matter of government policy, be political rewards, that treated the presidential pardon as a political tool, that used its power over the tax collection agency to gather intelligence on and harass political opponents, 
that issued instructions to hire a shaggy person with a mcgovern button to sit in front of the white house and counter demonstrators at the funeral of j edgar hoover that infiltrated a quaker vigil in front of the white house that used the agency that is supposed to guard the president to spy on the president's political opponent that ordered twenty-four hour surveillance of a political opponent that used the departments to dredge up potentially embarrassing information on presidential contenders and then leaked it to the press that used white house influence to obtain cia equipment for the ellsberg break-in that used its entrustment with our national security to convince four cubans to burglarize a political party that ordered an fbi investigation of an unfriendly newsman to harass him that proposed leaking confidential fbi files to embarrass the producer of a satirical movie that used its control of important watergate evidence and the privilege known as executive privilege to aid those supporting the president and to deprive or delay those in opposition that made plans to eliminate professionals in government service who place their professional responsibilities above questionable white house political demands that participated actively and formally in a campaign organization while drawing white house staff salaries that ran secret letter-writing campaigns against republican senators and that generally emasculated the republican party that all of that violated the concept of executive power in article two of the constitution extensive as the record is it represents only selected examples the important point is that it certainly is not what our founding fathers had in mind when they envisioned the presidency two enumerated powers and duties the enumerated powers and duties of the president's office are set forth beginning with section two of article two that section grants the president direct power over cabinet officers much testimony before this committee demonstrated how those officers were used on behalf of the president's office for example an attorney general for a significant period of time ran the president's re-election campaign while still in office at the justice department his reason for this role was that it is very very difficult to turn down a request by the president of the united states even though the attorney general himself later testified that he felt such a role in politics while still in office was wrong as an illustration of the extent of that role memos from crp such as one entitled grantsmanship suggesting an effective method of ensuring that political considerations be used in federal programs were sent to the attorney general from may first nineteen seventy one onward at one point it was even suggested that the attorney general wield the power of his office to keep a republican contender off the primary ballot in florida that campaign role also included an extraordinary meeting in the attorney general's very office to review plans for bugging mugging burglary prostitution and kidnapping another attorney general was placed in the awkward position of being asked immediately after the watergate break-in to help get mr mccord out of jail before he was identified he was soon thereafter warned of white house concern with a too aggressive fbi investigation he was then asked to provide raw fbi watergate files improperly to the white house that same attorney general was later used as a secret contact 
with this committee's investigation of watergate and was then removed from office in an apparent connection with the watergate affair he eventually became the first attorney general in history convicted of a crime for his testimony about presidential interference in an antitrust case involving a major contributor a third attorney general was forced to resign his office when he backed the special prosecutor's procedure for obtaining watergate evidence from the white house an assistant attorney general was also asked to provide raw fbi watergate files again improperly to the white house and was later told by the president not to investigate the ellsberg break-in a deputy attorney general was forced to resign when he backed the special prosecutor's decisions in the watergate case an assistant attorney general gave confidential justice department and fbi intelligence information to the president's re-election campaign at the direction of the white house three attorneys general a deputy attorney general and two assistant attorneys general and all this was done on behalf of the presidency which has a constitutional responsibility to take care that the laws be faithfully executed with respect to other cabinet officers a secretary of commerce with all the authority as to corporate affairs that goes with that position was placed in charge of raising funds for the president's re-election including as it turns out a number of illegal corporate contributions a secretary of treasury met with a milk producers association and supported their request for higher price supports after the president granted higher support prices the milk producers arranged for him to be offered at least ten thousand dollars in cash for his personal use a transaction for which he has been criminally indicted he later aided them in tax and antitrust matters at a time when a large contribution to the president from the milk producers was being arranged the commissioner of the internal revenue service was criticized because practically every effort to proceed in sensitive areas is met with resistance delay and the threat of derogatory exposure the director of the cia according to his own testimony and that of his assistant was called to the white house and asked to use the cia to cover up watergate the acting director of the fbi was brought to the white house and given material from the safe of one of the watergate burglars to keep it hidden an act which resulted in his eventual resignation that same acting director turned over raw fbi files on watergate to the white house perhaps illegally when assured it was at the president's request which request the president has confirmed in public statements he was rewarded by being left to twist slowly slowly in the wind while his nomination to permanent director was pending before the senate even though the president had reportedly already abandoned him this is how the officers in the departments and agencies were used by the white house and it is clear that those activities did not pertain to any subject relating to the duties of their respective offices as the constitution requires in its grant of presidential authority in this area immediately following the section in article two granting authority over departments and agencies is a section giving the president the power to grant reprieves and pardons for offenses against the united states there is undisputed testimony that defendants in the watergate criminal case were offered clemency in exchange for their silence aside from the issue as to who authorized the officers they were particularly firm in the case of one defendant who was apparently ignoring the game plan it must be recalled that only the president can grant clemency 
and that by his own admission he discussed clemency as early as july nineteen seventy two when watergate was being described as only a third-rate burglary there is the well-documented case of a request from a former senator and a close friend of the president for a pardon on behalf of a prominent jewish figure in florida because of the political advantage that would follow that pardon was granted the beneficiary then gave the president's campaign thirty thousand dollars article two also gives the executive the power to appoint ambassadors whereas this has often been a source of political reward there is substantial evidence of an unusually well-organized and enforced program of ambassadorships for sale in return for specific support in the 1972 presidential campaign along with the point of power for ambassadors the executive has a point of power over lesser officers of the united states this power was used for example as a reward for at least one participant in watergate who received a prominent position in the department of commerce another crp official in charge of certain spy activities pointedly reminded the white house of the work he had done when he applied for employment after the election plans were also drawn up to use this appointive power in the president's second term to get rid of officials across the board who rightfully placed their professional responsibilities in the way of white house political demands these enumerated powers and duties of the executive are followed with the duty to take care that the laws be faithfully executed evidence was presented to this committee of a break-in by a white house unit which break-in contributed to a mistrial in a major national security case the ellsberg case illegal use of wiretaps and agent provocateurs by the administration was the direct cause of mistrials or dismissals in most major conspiracy cases brought by the federal government during this same period this was an executive branch that conspired to present perjury lie to the fbi and pay for the silence of key witnesses in the watergate case this was the executive that knew of a break-in related to the ellsberg case and failed to take any action or report that fact this was the executive that told an assistant attorney general not to investigate the ellsberg matter this was the administration that learned of the watergate planning sessions budget approval that received illegal wiretap transcripts and covered up or failed to promptly report white house involvement in watergate as those facts became known this is the white house that pressured the irs the antitrust division of justice the cia the fbi the secret service and the fcc to enforce laws not faithfully but selectively this is the same white house in which the president said in a conversation with john dean on september fifteenth nineteen seventy two we have not used the power in this first four years as you know we have never used it we have not used the bureau fbi and we have not used the justice department but things are going to change now the following months may or may not have been a change from what had been going on in nineteen seventy nineteen seventy one and nineteen seventy two but they certainly were a sad chapter for our system of laws end of section thirty one